All right, great to be with you guys tonight. How's everyone doing? Everyone all right? Sweet. Well, my name is Ben Green. I'm one of the pastors at Rimrock. Welcome to Rimrock downtown. It's a beautiful fall, maybe summer day that we get to enjoy here. Well, before we, we dive into the passage, just a couple announcements, uh, things going on in the community. Maybe you're new or maybe you've been part of here for a while, but we would love for you to jump into a small group. And so uh, if you open your uh, little uh, bulletins there, there's a little sheet that talks about small groups and with some uh, um, information there. Uh, we have uh, lots of groups that we'd love for you to, to consider joining. I think that's a great way to uh, grow as a follower of Jesus and to get to know other people. And then we also have a little card in there. If you're new and you haven't uh, shared your information, we'd love just to, to get to know you more and share a little bit more about uh, Rimrock. So if you're willing to fill that out, you can throw it in the uh, back there. There's a little uh, box that you can throw that in. Also, we're uh, uh, God, Evan Hayes, who's, who's uh, kind of the pastor for the downtown uh, ministry here. Uh, God just really stirred on his heart that uh, uh, as we were going through this series, Loving God and Loving Others, um, that that just doesn't happen without some intentionality on our part, that God, God calls us to this life of love with him and with others. And so um, in, in your bulletin, there's a little information about 21 days 21 intentional days from October 15th to November 3rd. And there's going to be opportunities to come and pray. There's going to be opportunities to serve. Uh, I think Seth Malott back there is organizing some some serving uh, teams and things going on. So um, you're going to be hearing more about that. So just be prayerful to think about how maybe you might plug into that time of intentionally seeking God and, and loving others. Would you just join me in praying? Lord, as we've already sung tonight, we uh, want to declare your worth. <laughs> that's, that's why we're here tonight, God. Um, all of us could be doing other things. We could be spending our time other ways. But we've come here because we believe that you are worthy. And God, I don't know what different people have faced this week or today. But God, you know. And I just pray that all the distractions, the, the, the noise that we've encountered throughout the week, Lord, we'd just be able to put that aside. We'd hear your voice and that we would really hear and understand that love that you have for us tonight. No matter what we've done or how we come, Lord, your love is here. And we just pray that our eyes, our hearts, our minds would be open to you into your ways tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Seth, uh, or Seth, Evan <laughs> spoke the last few weeks about loving God collectively. And so we're doing a, a, a series here of like six or so weeks where we're looking at loving God and loving each other, and, and we're looking at how that happens together as a community but as, as well individually. And I was thinking about this, that, you know, as God calls us to do this as a community, collectively, that's only possible if we're really doing it individually as well. So they're connected. You can't do something together unless you're bought in 
each of you bought in, if each of us is bought in to loving God and loving others. And so it's, it's a combined thing of, of individually seeking God, knowing God, walking with God, loving Him with all your heart, soul, and strength, loving others. But there's something really beautiful, as Evan has painted this picture the last few weeks, about doing it together. Um, God calls us to do it together. And so we're not alone in this radical call to love be a people of love. And so tonight we're going to be looking at prayer and meditation, but particularly individually. How, what does a, a life of prayer and meditation look like? Now, I don't know about you guys, I, I've been a pastor for almost 15 years now, and I've seen that you call a prayer meeting or prayer gathering, and, and not a lot of us show up. <laughs> You know, there's something about prayer that's a little intimidating, right? And maybe we aren't necessarily drawn to it immediately. And I've always thought it's kind of funny that uh, that changes when there's a crisis. So uh, some of you have flown on airplanes, and uh, I remember being on an airplane once, and we hit some serious turbulence, and people began to pray. <laughs> in fact, even an atheist <laughs> will pray in that situation. Uh, it's interesting how that, that happens. But, but when we get to a crisis, we suddenly realize we need it, right? It, it's when it feels like things are out of our control that we suddenly say, hey, I need God <laughs> in this situation. Can you relate to that? I, I can relate to that. There's been so many times in my life where, where I've just, I, I haven't made prayer a priority, but then a crisis or something will happen that will draw drive me to my knees. And, and I think that's a normal human thing that we face. And, and I think what can be hard with prayer is, is we don't physically see God. <laughs> He's a spirit. And even though his presence is all around, in fact, the Bible says over and over, God is near. He's not far off. And so God is always there. But because we can't see him physically, sometimes that, that becomes a, an obstacle for us in a life of prayer. And so... I think that's why it's what we call a discipline. It's not something that's natural unless you're in a crisis. So when we, when we talk about a life of prayer, we're really talking about learning and, in a sense, training uh, in our lives to learning how to, how to do this. Um, Jesus, I think, shows us a compelling life of prayer. That is a, a beautiful model for us. And then I, I think it's, as we look tonight specifically at Jesus, I think God's also given us each other to encourage and to model for each other what a prayer life looks like. Before we, we dive into prayer, I just want to say a few words about meditation. Um, like me, maybe you think meditation and you think that you know, like Eastern meditation, someone sitting cross-legged, you know, humming, right? <laughs> so that we can easily have that image, but I just want to say when the Bible talks about meditation, it's very different from an Eastern meditation. So in a, in a Buddhist worldview, there, there's no God. It's actually you're trying to escape life. You're trying to escape suffering. Um, the Christian worldview is very different. We do believe in a God, and we believe God is life-giving, life-giving. And so when we talk about meditation, we're not talking about escaping. We're talking about being filled, filled. Because the reality, the Bible says all of us are 
naturally sinful. We, our hearts are bent towards sin. Jeremiah says uh, the, heart, the human heart is deceptive above all else. And so we can't find meaning within ourselves. The, the Bible tells us the only meaning that we can find is outside of ourselves in God. Why? Because he's our creator. He's our maker. He's our designer. He's the one we were made to live with. We were made in his image. We were made to be in a loving, intimate, life-giving relationship with our God. And when that doesn't exist, we shrivel and we die and we self-destruct. <laughs> that, that's why our world is filled with so much pain and violence and hurt and, and, and just the, the, the condition we're in in our world is so obvious. And if we look within ourselves, you will only find despair. You will only find emptiness. And so what the Bible invites us to do is to meditate, not looking within, but looking at God. And so meditation in the Bible, and, and if you want to see a great example of what meditation is, read, read Psalm 119. It's, it's David's meditation on the Word of God. And it's the longest chapter in the whole Bible. And I think that says something about meditation. It, it's kind of like worry. You know, when you're worried about something, I was thinking about just a few days ago, I woke up at three and I was worrying about something and I couldn't go back to sleep and your mind just turning, turning, turning. Have you ever been there? <laughs> you, you know, you're trying to figure something out. Well, the Bible says don't worry. <laughs> so that's not a good example. But, but that's a, a, an image of what meditation is. It's mulling something over deeply in your mind, in your heart. But instead of worry or looking inside, it's on the truth of who God is. And so when we meditate, we take a beautiful thing like the love of God and we think about it deeply. We reflect in a profound way on what is the love of God. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for our world? What, is that, what does that look like that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son? And as we think about that and you mull over that and you reflect on that, instead of emptiness, you find life. (laughs) It fills us. It shapes us. It forms us into true humans as God has designed us to be. People made in God's image, made to be life-giving, made to share goodness with others. And so meditation is a powerful thing that God has designed us to do with our minds, with our hearts, to think deeply and richly about the truths of who God is. And, uh, and so meditation is very important. Um, but most of the time tonight, I want to talk about prayer. Um, and they're connected. Meditation and prayer are connected. So what, what is the key to a compelling prayer life? Why would we want to pray, even if there's not a crisis? Even if there's not a, a desperate need in our lives? If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, or you can look on the screen because it'll be up there. I'm going to turn there. We have what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer, but I think that's the, the wrong title for this. I, I think the, the Lord's Prayer is found in John 17 because there you actually see a prayer of Jesus. It's you could spend a long time meditating on John 17 where you actually get an inside look into the prayer life of Jesus. But here in Luke 11, we're going to see Jesus' teaching on prayer. He's going he's to invite us into what a compelling life of prayer looks like and what it, what it means and how to do it. 
Um, so would you uh, just read, uh, follow with this on your screen or in your Bible? One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Short words on prayer, but this is powerful. This will change your prayer life when you begin to meditate and understand what Jesus is inviting us into. Uh, first observation here. The disciples, what are they doing? They're watching Jesus pray. <laughs> and, and isn't it interesting that there was something about the way Jesus prayed that caught their attention. Now, you can read through the entire um, gospel and there's very few times where the disciples said, teach us. You, you have Jesus doing a lot of teaching, but usually the disciples aren't asking for it. <laughs> you know, they're, they're kind of off in their own worlds, their own expectations, their own desires. And Jesus is using circumstances to teach them, to, to point them to who he is and who God is, who the king, what the kingdom of God is. But very few times they say, teach us. But Jesus' life was so compelling. There was something so beautiful, attractive, and powerful about the way Jesus prayed that they said, teach us this. <laughs> How do we do this? And, and I think that that's profound, that, that prayer is, is not something that it should be intimidating, it's attractive. It's something that we, I think each of us long for, but a lot of times we don't know how or we, we have barriers that we're not sure how to approach God. And so these words, I think, will help us. The first thing I want to just focus on is the first word Jesus uttered, Father, Father. And we can rush through that, but I want to take a moment to look at that because I think that word changes everything in prayer. Some of you had wonderful fathers that you loved spending time with. Some of you had fathers that were distant, hard to relate with. Some of you maybe had even fathers who were abusive. And so that word can carry a lot of different meanings for us in our lives. But, but Jesus told us a story about what father means when he talks about father. And I think that's important to share with you tonight as we go into this prayer. So Jesus told a story about two brothers who had a father. And those two brothers um, worked with their father, and then the younger brother said one day, I don't like working with my father. I want to go somewhere else. There's a big world out there, and I want to go explore. I want to go try some different things. And so he came to his father, and he said, give me my inheritance because I'm out of here. And the father, which was a very offensive terrible thing for the son to do but the father instead of being angry or or telling him no said okay i will give you your inheritance and so he gave that to his younger son and that son went off and, the, and jesus said in the story he lived wildly he tried every desire he had he tried it out and he spent all his money and then there was a famine in the land and and his money ran out and so he had to get a job and 
as a good Jewish boy, he was taught to stay away from pigs, but he was far from his home in a different land, and the only job available was feeding pigs. And so one day, as he's in the muck and the dirt feeding pigs, he had a thought. In my father's house, (laughs) there's food for everyone. In my father's house, I wouldn't have to be doing this. And so he said, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to say, I'm so sorry. And I'm going to ask if he would take me in just to be a servant, to be a slave. And so he headed back home. And then the most surprising thing in the whole story, Jesus said, is the father was waiting for the son. He was waiting. (laughs) He was looking. And it says he saw the son far off coming. And instead of just sitting there waiting, he got up and he ran. (laughs) He ran down the road. And his son, seeing his father coming towards him, must have been terrified. But instead of terror, he began to wonder in awe because his father embraced him, hugged him, and said, Welcome home, son. I'm so glad you're back. And the son began his speech, right? Forgive me, I've been terrible. I've, I've offended you. And would you just take me back as a servant? And the father said, No, you're my son. I love you. And he gave him a robe, and he gave him, he said, welcome home. And he said, we're going to have a huge party tonight. But in that story, there was another son, right? The older one who didn't ask for the inheritance, who stayed the whole time. And he was pretty upset because he was looking at this big party and this extravagant love of the father towards an undeserving son. And he said, that's not fair because I've been here every day. I haven't let my father down. And so he's standing outside the party in the dark, arms folded, saying, this isn't fair. But the father, what does he do? Instead of being angry at the older son, he comes to his son and he pleads with him and says, son, I love you too. And everything I have is yours. Would you come and celebrate with me? Because this son, this brother of yours, was lost, but now he's found. Will you come and have a party with me? And so Jesus told this story so that we would understand who God is as a father. He's not the angry, the distant father. He's the father who loves unconditionally. He's the father who's waiting for us to come. He's also the father that says when we are angry or selfish, still comes to us and still says, come. (laughs) Come to me because I love you and everything I have is yours. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, Father. Now, I don't know about you, but when you come to prayer and you have that image of God, (laughs) isn't that compelling? (laughs) Isn't that inviting? That God isn't there saying, it's been a while since you prayed, (laughs) you know? You shouldn't have been at church. No, that's not what God is saying. He's saying, welcome home. (laughs) His arms are open towards us. He's inviting us. He's waiting for us to come. And when he invites us, it's not to scold us or teach us. It's to invite us to the wealth of his table. The blessing that he has, he wants to share with us. And so when Jesus said, say, Father, he's introducing a radical, beautiful image of what prayer is a relationship like like a loving father with us with a son and this is the call i think to prayer i think this is the most compelling thing jesus shares with us about prayer 
is that we can call God Father. He's not distant. He's not angry. He's inviting. He's our Father. And Jesus makes that possible. The next thing we see when Jesus teaches us about prayer is that we're to say, hallowed be your name. And so when you realize who the Father is, what response can you have but praise, (laughs) but thankfulness, but gratitude? And so when you realize who God is as Father, what wells up in my heart, wells up in your heart is praise, (laughs) is, is adoration. And so prayer is, is more than just seeking what we need. It's, it's a response to who God is. And it's also hearing who God is. And so it's, a, it's, it's not only coming with our needs, it's also understanding who He is and realizing it. And our only response is praise. And so Jesus teaches us this. The next thing He says is, Your kingdom come. In Matthew it says, And your will be done. <laughs> so there's two parts there. Your kingdom come. Why, why is this so important? You know, when we pray, a lot of times we have a list. And a lot of times we have really big needs that we have. And we have things that we want to see happen. And so we come to God as he invites us to. Jesus said, come, ask, and you will receive. So he said, ask. But before we ask, he says, we're to approach the Father humbly. And humble. And humility. And so when we say, your kingdom come, we're realizing that we're not in charge. We're realizing that we don't have to get our way. It's okay. That God is Lord, that he is king, that he is over all, that he has all power, that he's the creator, he's the maker, he's, he's the mover, he's the one who has the power to make it happen, not us. And when we realize that and we say, Father, praise your name, your kingdom come, we are putting ourselves in a position of humility. And that's so important. The Bible tells us that God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So a proud heart says what? I don't need God. I'm going to do it my way. (laughs) I can figure this out. And so the very act of praying is a recognition of need, is a recognition of that we don't have all the control, we don't have all the power, but God does. Andrew Murray, who, who taught me a lot about prayer, he was a South African pastor, says the highest glory of the creature is in being only a vessel. And so by creature, he's saying the created one. To receive and enjoy and show forth the glory of God. You see, and Andrew's inviting us to understand what the Bible presents who we are as created beings in God's image. We were made to bring glory to God. We weren't made to live for ourselves. We were made to live for God. And it can only do this as, as he or she is willing to be nothing in itself that may, God may be all. And so when we realize who we are as created beings, and God is God, so God is God, we are not, This is what he says. Here is the path to the higher life. Down, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men abased and empty, his glory and power flow into exalt and bless. Isn't that beautiful? But we only understand that when we understand Father, his goodness, and what he wants to do in us. His intention isn't to harm us, it's to to help us, to to give good things to us. But we must be humble. We must realize our need for Him, that He is Lord. 
the Bible invites us to offer ourselves. Romans chapter 12 says, um, as living sacrifices, we're to offer ourselves to God. That's what we were made for. (laughs) We were made to be living offerings to God. And the secret of that is, that's actually the beginning of true joy, (laughs) true peace, true love. It's only an offering that we truly receive what we ultimately long for, what we ultimately desire. It's backwards. Then a lot of times we think that to get those things, we have to strive, we have to work. But the Bible says, no, that's not the way. The way is an offering. And then we receive. Then we're filled. Then we experience life. And so Jesus invites us into that in prayer. Your kingdom come. And then he says, give us each day our daily bread. So we can get to that list. (laughs) That list matters. Your needs matter to God. I love that Jesus came to this earth to give. And people were hungry, he provided bread. When people were blind, he provided sight. When they were crippled, he gave them strength to walk. And so God's desire is ultimately to fulfill your desires. But what must come first? Humility. You must recognize who the Father is. And then there's, you're in a place to receive. You're in a place to be filled. And so God cares about your needs. Each of us here tonight have needs. We could go around this room and each of you have deep longings, deep needs. Whether it's physical needs like housing, clothing, bread, or bigger needs emotionally, spiritually, family, conflicts, things that are going on in your lives. When we come to God, we can ask. He invites us to ask. We can ask. Um, I was, before I came here, I stopped uh, at a park and there was like a, a flower garden and I was watching all the little bees and butterflies buzz around and, and, and it made me think of that passage where Jesus says, do not worry because look at the flowers in the field. Look at the birds in the air. Doesn't God clothe them? Doesn't he take care of all their needs? And he says, how much more worth are you <laughs> than the insects or the birds? And so if God can give the flowers such, such beauty, such majesty, how much more will he give that to you? It's a good reminder when we have need. So we come and we ask. The last part of this prayer is uh, in line with, I think, where we're going with this whole series, loving God and loving others. In verse 4, it says, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. So Jesus is teaching us in prayer that relationships with other people matter. Relationships with people that really matter. So why does he mention forgiveness? Um, I've been married 15 years. And in the course of that 15 years, um, there's been times my wife and I have disagreed. And there's been times we've hurt each other. We've said things, done things that we haven't liked. And so what's kept us together? The willingness to forgive. (laughs) The willingness to love and commit to each other enough to forgive. And what keeps us together as a church? That willingness to forgive. Because inevitably, someone in here is going to say something, do something, or cause some hurt. And so how do we love each other? We have to be willing to forgive. And how is that possible? Only... Because God has forgiven us. <laughs> we, we don't forgive because somehow we can produce that or make that happen. Like, I'm not, I'm not big enough to do that. 
it's only in understanding what God has done for me that enables me to do that for others. As God forgives me, I can forgive others. One of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible is that God demonstrates his own love, his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners. So we weren't even sorry. We weren't even asking forgiveness. Christ died for us. So he died for us while we were still enemies. We weren't even saying, we didn't even realize our need for Jesus, but he still died for us. He still loved us enough to sacrifice everything for our good. And when we realize that, when you, when you really understand what Jesus has done for you, boy, it makes that, that remark or that thing that happened to you seem so small in comparison. And even though it's serious and it hurts and it's real, you're willing to let it go because you trust God. You know he's big enough to forgive you and he's big enough to give you that love to forgive someone else. And so what Jesus is inviting us in prayer is really to a place of love. Love for others. And then the last phrase in the prayer, he says, and lead us not into temptation. I think this is really a statement of love for God. Just like that prodigal son who, who came home, um, he, was, he got to that place where he realized his father's love was better than anything else. So all the pleasures, all the desires, and all the things he wanted to try out, he realized all of that was nothing compared to God. And so each of us, as we're going through life and we're bombarded with different temptations, different things that are appealing to us, because this world is always calling out to our desires, <laughs> whether it's our food or, or sex or drink or whatever those desires are, clothing, material wealth, houses, cars, all those things calling us, different lifestyles calling us, and all those things are temptations. And so what are we going to do with that? But when we realize the Father's love, all of that pales, <laughs> pales in comparison to Him. And so when we begin to pray and say, lead us not into temptation, we're realizing that God is alone worthy of our love and our greatest desires. That he is the one that we are to desire more than anything else. And so we can put aside those things that we want to try out, those, those temptations that come our way. We're willing to say no because there's someone great. Someone who is more beautiful, who brings more joy, more peace, and more love than anything else can and more satisfaction. He alone can fill our lives. He alone can fill our lives. And you guys have all lived long enough to try different things and know that there's a lot of things out there that promise fulfillment but really don't. I've tried some different things and realized it doesn't fulfill. But what I've found is that God does. <laughs> he fills me in ways that I can't even describe with words. He fills my heart so much. And he wants to fill your hearts that way too. And I know he does. And I know he will. Andrew Murray says, as, the one, as one of his redeemed, did you know that's what you are? You're redeemed, you're chosen, you're loved. You are his delight. And all his desire is to you with the longing of a love which is stronger than death. Think about that. <laughs> stronger than death is his longing for you. 
in which many waters cannot quench. His heart yearns after you, seeking your fellowship and your love. Like that father waiting, right? Just saying, son, come home. Can't wait. Where it needed. He could die again to possess you. His life is bound up in yours. You are to him inexpressibly more indispensable and precious than you can ever know. Did you hear that? (laughs) More precious than you can ever know. And so when we talk about prayer, (laughs) the invitation is to be with a God who loves you, a Father who thinks the world of you and was willing to sacrifice everything for you. And when we realize that, we realize the Father is the greatest treasure, that He Himself is life. And so Andrew Murray says, prayer is the quiet, persistent living of our life of desire and faith in the presence of God. That's profound. It's the quiet, persistent living of our life of desire and faith in the presence of God. Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Father, as we have meditated for a brief moment on prayer tonight, just draw our attention to you. Help us to see your love. Help us to see that invitation. And I pray that as we leave here and as we get about the busyness of our lives, that we just hear that voice calling us, inviting us to that intimate, quiet, persistent life of desire and faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen.